Hey, what's up? Hey, friend, thanks for coming over tonight. It's a great night for a campfire. The fireflies are out in force this summer. They're so surreal, like God's little flying organic LEDs. Yeah, that's the bullfrogs down at the creek. They're out in force tonight after the nice summer shower we had today. I'm telling you, my friend, it's going to be a good one. Hey, friend, you're listening to Guat.Rock, Sky the World and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. I'm excited to share some good news with you before we get into the heart of the podcast. Coming soon will be a new portion of our podcast series. It's going to be personal interviews with people one-on-one. It will come under the category of other things. You know, we talk about God, the world, and other things. This will be called Other Things With and the person's name. And I'm here to tell you, I already have several people lined up that you're going to really enjoy listening to. They're dynamic people, and you're going to get a kick out of these podcasts. The mission is still going to be the same, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. And my hope and prayer as we have these personal conversations is that the takeaway that you will be encouraged, you will be lifted up, you will be inspired to live another day for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Anyway, into the heart of the message. This is Season 6, Episode 132, the final episode of Season 6, I'm proud to report. We'll pick up with Season 7 with the next podcast. But today's title, Enter the Dragon, Dossier on the Devil. Subtitle, The Plain Revelation Series, Revelation Chapter 12. The visions beginning in this chapter leads to a vision of the second coming of Jesus Christ, seen in Revelation Chapter 14, verses 14 through 20. The two preceding cycles focused on the judgment issuing from God's throne. This cycle depicts the nature of the spiritual conflict. Characters appear in symbolic form to represent the forces on the two sides of a cosmic spiritual warfare. The two sides are stripped of all inconsistency and confusion to clearly express the nature of spiritual warfare. For more on spiritual warfare, you can read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. I want to remind you that though there is a war going on in heaven, At this moment, and clearly, the war going on in the heavenlies is vast and severe right now because we're seeing a massive outpouring of evil on the earth like we've never seen before. But I want you to keep in mind that when we speak about spiritual warfare and the war in heaven and the war between two cosmic spiritual forces, that the battle has already been won. And the overarching truth, and I'm going to say it again in just a moment, But the overarching truth we see here in Revelation chapter 12 is that God wins. There's no question that God is in control. Since the seven trumpets followed immediately on the opening of the seventh seal, we might expect the seventh trumpet to lead into the seven last plagues. But instead, John's vision veers from the plagues into what Bible commentator Leon Morris calls seven significant signs. There is no common factor in them like seals or trumpets or bowls, but there are seven of them, and it appears that the images are presented as another series. This group of visions is connected to the troubles of the church, which, after all of the images of the outpouring of God's wrath, it's hard for us to remember that what launched this entire book is the timely message to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And remember, at the beginning of the book, the promise is given that to the one who reads and those who hear the words of this book comes a blessing. The overarching truth is this. God has decisively defeated Satan. Though Satan exercises power on the earth and causes the church great harm, his defeat is sure, and the church's victory is sure. Again, Bible commentator Leon Morris points out that no part of the book is more difficult to interpret in detail than this chapter. Let's listen to chapter 12, verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven. 
a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven crowns. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she did give birth it might devour her child. She gave birth to a son, a male who was going to rule all nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God to be nourished there for 1260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought, but he could not prevail, and there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown out to earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come, because the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been thrown down. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you with great fury, because he knows his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle, so that she could fly from the serpent's presence to her place in the wilderness where she was nourished for a time, times, and a half time. From his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river flowing after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the river that the dragon had spewed from his mouth. So the dragon was furious with the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Those who keep the commands of God and hold firmly to the testimony about Jesus. The dragon stood on the sand of the sea. In the opening of this chapter, we see the image of one special lady, the light-bearing woman. The woman herself, and not the act of her appearing, is the great sign. The focus is on this special person, not the event. Verse 17 makes it clear that the reference here is not to the Virgin Mary. There are many speculations as to her identity, but here is the summary of the best interpretation I have found in all of my research. The woman mentioned here is the first mention of a woman in the entire book. This woman is clearly on the side of righteousness and represents the people of God through the ages. At the beginning of the chapter, the woman is Israel, who birthed Jesus the Messiah. Starting in verse 6, the woman's identity is further revealed to also include the New Testament church, who is aggressively pursued by the devil but is given protection from his desire to devour. God promises protection for the persecuted church. Notice that the persecution here is limited in length, as defined as time, times, and a half times. But for just a moment, I want to spend some time on this dossier of the devil. A dossier is a file containing detailed records on a particular person or subject, according to Merriam-Webster online. There are three things for just a brief moment I want you to focus your attention on. The first thing is that Satan is powerfully weak. He is a wounded captive with a short fuse. He does what he does, not because he is strong, of course, in comparison to God, but because he is weak. He fires his fiery darts at us from a defeated position. He is a wounded, caged dog. But remember, 
A wounded caged dog is dangerous. He's powerfully weak. Though he is weak, he is powerful. Look at the descriptions of him here in chapter 12. It talks about an enormous red dragon. He has seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns. It talks about a third of the stars were swept out of heaven with him. These are the angels that chose to side with him in their rebellion against God. Notice that he waged war in heaven. That's strength. Notice in verse 9 that it calls the demons who fell with him his angels. Notice that the scope of his deception in verse 10 says that he leads the whole world astray. Notice in verse 12 it says, Woe to the earth because of this one who has been cast down. In verse 15 it says that the water poured out of his mouth like a river. In verse 17, it says that he was enraged to make war. Though he's weak, he is powerful. But friend, also, though he is powerful, he is weak. Keep in mind that what he does is all that he can do. That is a profound thought, that what Satan does is all that he can do. We can see the manifestation of the spiritual warfare that's going on right now in this present age, and we see that what the people are doing who are being energized by the forces of darkness in the heavenly realms, that what they are doing is just all that they can do, and they're limited. They're powerful, yet they're weak. In chapter 12, verse 9, it calls him that ancient serpent. It's a reference back to Genesis chapter 3. We need to keep in mind that we are on his turf. He was there in the garden with the first woman and the first man, but his activities are restricted. In verse 8, it says they lost their place in heaven. He's restricted. 9, 10, and 13, it says he was hurled to the earth. And notice that a post-gestational woman outmaneuvered him, as represented here, and she was moved out of the serpent's reach. His power is limited, that though angels chose to rebel with him, it was a third of the stars, outnumbered two to one. Notice here in this chapter, he couldn't devour the woman. It says that the dragon stood firmly, planted himself before this woman who was to give birth, but also he couldn't devour the child. The Bible says that her child was snatched up to God, and that's a reference to the ascension of Christ into heaven. In verse 8, it reminds us he was not strong enough to defeat Michael and his angels. And in verse 11, it says that the saints of God overcame him by how? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So friend, we must keep in mind that Satan is powerfully weak. Though he is weak, he is powerful. And though he's powerful, he's weak. He's limited. He's confined. He's restricted. Finally, his time is short. Satan, in verse 12, it says he comprehends his time is short. Satan operates under pressure because he literally is short on time. Time is not on his side. Someone has said Satan never learns. He is not teachable. Nothing changes his mind. While God acts in a way that could instruct Satan, he neither learns nor changes. Our Heavenly Father has taught Satan one thing real good. Satan got the message. His time is short. But the second aspect of Satan, as we look at the dossier on the devil, is Satan's tactics, his method for employing forces in combat, and its diversion. In verse 9, the attack It's a feint, F-E-I-N-T, but it's pronounced with a long A. A feint that draws the attention and force of an enemy from the point of the principal operation. When something is feint, specifically a mock blow or attack on or toward one part in order to distract attention from the point one really intends to attack. It's a trick. And friend, right now, I guarantee you what we are seeing on this planet is both a feint from God and a feint from Satan. But we see he is the trickster. John 10.10 states that Satan's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. He distorts your perception in order to alter reality. He diverts his enemy's attention. Here's how he does it. He does it through accusation. He diverts his enemy's attention through accusation. 
The word we translate devil is diabolos, which means slanderer or accuser. He also diverts his enemy's attention through deception. The Bible says that he is the deceiver of the whole world. He misleads, deceives, leads astray, causes to be mistaken. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15, the apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said, These people are false prophets. They have fooled you by disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder his servants can also do it by pretending to be godly ministers. In the end, they will get every bit of punishment their wicked deeds deserve. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 12, it talks about the lie. To believe a lie is all that is necessary and all that matters in Satan's world. He then has you as an unsuspecting ally to destroy others and perhaps even yourself. The third thing I want you to see, friend, in this dossier on the devil is that Satan's mission is not complete. The dragon stood on the seashore. The dragon still pursues what he cannot subdue. He is relentless. He is driven by and to destruction. He is the engineer of a locomotive that is stuck at full throttle, headed for a washed-out bridge, yet it is all he can do. Our Heavenly Father thwarts Satan's every move with prevailing righteousness, which only serves to exasperate Satan's frustration. Dear friend, today in the midst of what we see, many, many ministers of the gospel and people of faith are proclaiming and declaring that this is the most outrageous outpouring of evil that the world has ever seen. Friend, that's a big statement, especially in light of World War I, World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Afghanistan War, the Gulf War, that friend to say that this is the most serious outpouring of evil in the history of mankind is a huge statement. But dear friend, I want you to do one thing for me. I want you to pray this. God, help me to see where is the faint of Satan? What is he out to do? How is he causing our minds to be distracted away from that which he's really about? You see, friend, I think many of the things that we are seeing today regarding all the issues of the social order are a feint of Satan to distract us from that which he is doing in our midst, the destruction. And it goes a lot deeper than all of the things that we see happening in the social order. So my friend, I ask you, I invite you to join with me in crying out to our Heavenly Father and asking him, God, reveal to us what is really happening. Lord, you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, can show us what you are really up to, and we're going to know that through the power of your written word as we dive deeper and deeper into the scriptures, especially scriptures that speak of this time. You have promised us that we will not be in the dark. We will not be in the shadows. God, that your spirit communicates to our spirit if we've been born again. And so, Father, we cry out to you right now. God, reveal to us what the truth really is about this whole matter. And Father, help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to maintain our focus on your mission, on the mission of Almighty God, the one who is in control of the entire universe and who is working out his purposes on this planet in spite of the trickster and the master deceiver, Satan. And Father, we thank you that the outcome of all of this is not in question. And Father, you've made it clear that you are already victorious. And Father, that as Christians, we operate from a position of power, a position of victory a position of future and not of condemnation. And so, Lord, give us the strength right now to be bold men and women for Jesus Christ. Father, to have backbones, 
Father, to stand strongly on your word without shame and without fear. And God, that you would use us as ambassadors of light in this dark world. Father, help us not to fall for the tricks of Satan. Father, he is the master deceiver. But Lord, you are the one who reveals truth. And Father, you are the one who shines light into the darkness. So Lord, in the areas where we cannot see, Father, we pray that you would turn on the lights of heaven and allow us to see clearly what is happening. Father, for those on this planet who are ambassadors of Satan, Lord, as I pray that, I know that there are some listening who have stepped back and, and think, well, what in the world is that supposed to mean? But Father, you've made it clear that there are some people here, as we've talked about in my podcast in the past, Lord, who are ambassadors for Satan, that they go into their closet, the Apostle Paul says, and they are given tutelage by demons. God, we're not talking about hyperbole and, and metaphor. Father, we're talking about reality. And Father, I pray that through the power of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit on this earth, that Father, that you would cause the covers to be pulled back and the lights to be turned on and that the deeds of wickedness that are being done in the darkness right now in deals with the devil would be revealed for what they are. And Father, that it would be to the shame of those who are doing such horrendous things to hurt the people that you love. And Father, we pray for those who are walking high and mighty. Lord, they're like attack dogs on a short chain. God, they're ferocious. God, they're, they're fearsome. But Lord, they are defeated. And I pray that those who are at the helm of all of this heartache that's happening on the planet. And Father, I think it's clear that it's not that many people who are at the helm of all of this. Father, the rest of us are being victimized. Father, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would reveal these devils in human skin. And Father, that they would be brought low. And Father, that you would bring about a righteous revival on this planet before the coming of Jesus Christ. Father, that you would give us one last effort to get as many people into the kingdom as possible. Father, we know that you are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. Father, that's our prayer today. Father, help us not to be overtaken by darkness. Father, help us to be children of light. Father, we do that through the power and salvation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear friend, that's the truth. That's my prayer. I pray it will be your prayer. And with that, I bid you peace.